Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. We trust today's message will challenge you and move you closer to Christ. Here's pastor, teacher, and author, Phil Moser. Some of you have been coming here for just a few months now. Maybe I can tell you just a little bit about the history of Fellowship Bible Church. I can remember as a young pastor coming here some 28, 29 years ago and being introduced to the missions committee that was comprised of three older ladies who got together, um, and, um, and none of them are here now, so I can call them older, okay? So they were three older women, and they got together, and they had once a month, literally, this is how they did it, they had a shoebox that they pulled out, and they said, this is one of the best days of the month for us, because in this day, we send checks to missionaries, and this church had determined that a portion of everything that came in and you're giving would spend, send the gospel not just here in the Mullica Hill community, but around the world. And so they were literally just looking for any missionary they could find to support and get the gospel out beyond our little locale here. And that grew, believe it or not, into us sending our own people into places like Bosnia and Afghanistan, um, into the Czech Republic to do work projects, more recently into Haiti, and then even more specifically recently into Brazil, our own people going. And so if you've just been here for a few months, you may not realize, and you say, what is missions all about? Missions is about us influencing the world with the gospel, not just what is going on right here. And so we always want to keep that focus, and you may not have known that that was a part of Fellowship Bible Church from the very, very beginning. It's one of those things we've kept uh, up in the forefront. It's my privilege today to introduce to you Dr. Douglas Combs, who was uh, our guest speaker this morning. He brings 40 years of experience to ministry, 10 of it as a pastor, so I'm encouraged by that. He's used to speaking to churches and caring for people. 30 years he's been working with missions. 10 of those years he served as a missionary in Australia. And the last 20 years he's been specifically involved in helping nationals get into a scenario where those nationals in their own country are establishing, and those churches in their own country are sending missionaries. So it's exciting to both hear what God's going to have you share. Dr. Combs, um, may God bless you. I'm going to have a word of prayer before we get started, okay? Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you that we can remember this morning the value of uh, your heart for the world and for the nation, and um, we are just grateful, Lord, for all that you um, have done around the world, and we acknowledge even as we sing, here I am, Lord, send me, that we can look a little too narrowly at our problems, at our first world issues, and lose sight of the bigger picture of a world that is lost and dying and desperately needs a savior. So Lord, we thank you for the part we get a chance to play in that, but we pray that even this morning, you will kind of wrap this up by encouraging us to ask where it is that you would send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, about four years ago, uh, I think to uh, stand up here with uh, a pastor and uh, share just a few minutes, but I've never really had that opportunity to talk to you face-to-face about this incredible ministry that I'm involved in and that you are involved in because uh, for several years, perhaps six years now, you've been helping to share in what I've been involved in. And as I think about the theme for this conference, I am so thankful 
that it focuses exactly on what I'm thinking about, and that is nations. And as I uh, am involved in a ministry that I am pleased to partner with you in order to help you be involved and see some great things done, truly the work that I've been involved in has to do with the light to the nations. Here, though, is what it is that I am specifically involved in. If you were to give one summary word of what this ministry is about that you're involved in, it is simply the inspiring of national churches. And it's been my privilege to go to a number of countries where I've had the opportunity to uh, inspire those churches to do what you are doing here, but now going out to national churches in various countries and talk to them about how they ought to be the sending church of their missionaries so that their missionaries can go out and reach their world. Simply using the example that we have had for 200 years, now go to the places where we have done great work and challenge those churches to now be the sending church of their missionaries with a focus upon their world. And I want to use an illustration this morning in order to bring that home to you. Uh, but before I do that, there are two concepts. I've had four opportunities now, given this opportunity. There were two connection times. And then there was last night's missions dinner. And now this morning, two to uh, four opportunities for me to talk to some of you, <laughs> perhaps three times or four times, and you may be tired of hearing it. But I want to put these two concepts in front of you just because I believe there are some significant uh, movement that we need to make in the area of missions. And so let me just take a moment to talk about this phrase. Every missionary goes to someone else's Jerusalem. Anytime you leave from this place as a missionary, go to the next county or go somewhere else within New Jersey, or go somewhere else within the United States, or go somewhere else into another country, every time you step into that new place, you step in as a missionary, but you're stepping into someone else's Jerusalem. And the reality is that it is from that Jerusalem that you have stepped in as a missionary, that you are meant to take, that they are meant to take the gospel to their world. You have stepped into their Jerusalem. Now they must look at how they will reach out and go out to their world. Every missionary goes to someone else's Jerusalem. There's a sense in which I've kind of done it even here today. I'm missionary and I have come to your place, came in Thursday, I leave this afternoon. In the process, I've handed out a couple of tracts I've talked to a couple of people about uh, things, uh, and, uh, but not really got much evangelistic opportunity over these last three days. And this afternoon I leave. But I leave hoping that as a result, even of this morning, that every person in this room will go out to your Jerusalem and begin to work amongst the people of your Jerusalem with a mindset that goes to your world, as was spoken even just a few moments ago by Pastor, that you would leave from this place to go to wherever you are called to go 
and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing that maybe sounds a little strange would be this phrase here. Don't send your missionary to do something. I believe that in a world that we live in today with such an explosion of population and actually a shrinkage of Western missionaries going out to live and work amongst an exploding population that is no longer what can I do as a missionary out in the world, but it has to turn to what are they going to do in their world? When I reach their Jerusalem, how is it that I can inspire them to go out and reach their world? Now, I'm going to start with this little picture here. <laughs> Do you really appreciate your auditorium? <laughs> Do you really appreciate your facilities that you have? I hope you really do. You have a lovely, lovely facility here. And it's just a privilege to come here and be comfortable and, and enjoy the fellowship and share the ministry. Well, you know, I had an opportunity, talking about inspiring national churches. I went into the country of Tanzania. Now, I know most of you call it Tanzania, but I heard a Kenyan say Tanzania. So I'm changing, all right? So I went into the country of Tanzania, and I had the opportunity over six days to preach in 18 churches in Tanzania with the intent and purpose that I might inspire them to take the gospel not only within their place, but to their world and uh, to, to have that privilege. And I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Acts 1.8. It happens to be my favorite of the five times that Jesus gave the Great Commission. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I hope you understand the Great Commission was given to us five times. Each time, I believe, he gave it with a purpose. And as I was having that opportunity in Tanzania, I, I came to this church as one of the 18. And I must tell you that my congregation that day were three little boys sitting over here. Let's see, one, two, three, oh, four. You'll have to move. <laughs> there were three little boys sitting over here. There were three elderly ladies sitting over here. There was a pastor behind me and my interrupter, or otherwise known as an interpreter. That was my congregation. Three little boys, three elderly ladies, and a pastor sitting behind me. And I had an opportunity to try to inspire them. And I'm just going to simply do for you what I did for them. And I want to begin by starting here in Acts 1.8. You just kind of keep an eye. That was one of the little boys. And back in the very car corner, you can just see us saw another one. And I asked them to turn in their Bibles to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And I began with this way. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Let's stop there for just a moment. As I talked with these three little boys, three elderly ladies, pastor behind me, I said, you know, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, then the Holy Spirit is inside you at this moment. Amen? 
The Holy Spirit is inside. It's not like the Old Testament where the Spirit of God would come upon a person, accomplish something in their lives, and then he could leave. Remember David in his prayer, he says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We don't have that problem. Because the promise and assurance of Jesus Christ to his disciples who began the church and, uh, and brought us to this date, Jesus said to those disciples, and he says to us, I will not only be with you, I'll be what? I will be in you. And we are blessed with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, what does that tell us? What does it tell three little boys, three elderly ladies, and a pastor behind me? It tells us that we have all the power we need in order to do what God is wanting us to do, right? We have all the power. The Spirit of God is with us. So what does he want us to do? Well, just keep reading. It says, and you shall be witnesses unto me, witnesses unto me. With the power of the Spirit of God, it is his intention that we would be witnesses for Jesus Christ. As I talked with these three little boys, three elderly ladies, pastor behind me, I told them my testimony. Here's my testimony. I grew up in a family of seven boys, no girls. Every time mom bring home a girl, we sent her back. <laughs> Anybody believe that? It might be true she tried seven times to have a girl, but I didn't discuss that with her. My uh, father, best I know, I, I never, I cannot, I do not have a recollection of my father going to church. On the day of his funeral, I did not attend as an eight-year-old boy. I and my two younger brothers were sent to a neighbor's house while the funeral took place. The only time I know my father to have been in the church building. My mom was left with seven boys, five to 15, was not easy. But I believe that what really helped my mom raise us boys was the local church. And my mom, one thing I can say so clearly about my mother, she was a faithful woman. And her policy was very simple. If the doors of the church are open, we will be there. And she demanded it, expected it, and it happened. <laughs> One of those Sundays when I was 12 years old, uh, my family all piled into the car and off they went. And then I walked out the door. They didn't even miss me until they got home and counted. My pastor was very kind to me, fed me lunch. And then on the way home, <clears throat> he asked me two questions that to the best of my knowledge, no one had ever asked me. Nobody had looked me in the eye and asked me. First question, something related to, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? And when I honestly said no, he asked that second question, which again, nobody had ever really looked at me and said, would you like to know? And I said yes. He pulled off the side of the road, upstate New York, pulled off this. I, I passed by there just the other day, the very spot where he pulled off the side of the road, opened his Bible, and I became a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, that's my story. 
as I talked with these three little boys, three elderly ladies, and a pastor sitting behind me, I told them my story, and then I asked this question, what's your story? I hope you have a story. Pastor, if you ever have a service and want to do all the stories, I'd like to come back for that, all right? What's your story? Where were you? Who was there? What were the circumstances when you were explained the gospel and you turned your life over to Jesus Christ? Where were you? I hope you have a story. And if you don't have a story, I hope you get one today. Some crazy preacher came and I decided to follow Jesus. What's your story? But then can I ask you a second question? And who's the last person you told your story to? I was at a rescue mission for men, and it's something we do with the church I attend whenever I show up at that church and not going to someone else's church. Shared with him my story. When was the last time you told your story? I can tell you this, if you're leaving it up to the elders and a few evangelists in this crowd to get the gospel out to everyone, it's not happening. We really have to change our mindset. It's no longer in missions, it's no longer the West to the rest. It has to be everyone everywhere. Every one of you who has a story with the power of the Spirit of God Just go tell your story. Just go tell your story. I said that to these three little boys, three elderly ladies and a pastor sitting behind me. And then I began with the rest of the verse. Remember we said the five times each time the verse, each time Jesus gave the great commission, he had a purpose. I believe the purpose was to give us our strategy for reaching the world. I'm not gonna draw the circles. Somebody said, you don't write last night without the circles. But as I'm sitting there and, uh, and looking, look at your passage, it says, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What did he do? He gave them a plan. Beginning in Jerusalem, go out to Judea, from there go out to Samaria, from there go out to the world. And if you're reading the book of Acts, that's exactly what happened. Acts chapter 2, it's Jerusalem. Acts 3 through 7 is Judea. Acts 8, Philip goes to Samaria. Acts 13, Paul goes to the world. The strategy was given to the church. And the strategy was followed by the early church. Now I'm here with these three little boys, three elderly ladies, a pastor sitting behind me, and I'm saying, listen, from Magumu, let the gospel go out to Serengeti. From Serengeti, let it go out to all of Tanzania. And then the gospel from this place, remember the church building? <laughs> from this place, the gospel is meant to go out to every country outside. That's your responsibility. Obviously, we've also talked about it this week, and we talked about the fact the same is true for you. Beginning here, in this place, let the gospel go out to New Jersey. From New Jersey, let it go out to all of the United States, the largest English-speaking mission field in the world. It's the United States. 
and then from the United States all the way out to the world. I'm talking to these three little boys, three elderly ladies, and a pastor sitting behind me, and I'm telling them, listen, the world lies in front of your church. What are you going to do? Now, you might pause after you looked at the building or the sticks and the roof, and I was glad it wasn't raining. You might look at that, and you might say, oh, come on, Doug. Are you really going to ask them to do all that? I mean, listen, if they reach Magumu, won't that be good enough for that church? Do you really believe that you ought to give them the full strategy? Three little boys, three elderly ladies, and a pastor sitting behind you. Do they really need the full picture? Just give them Magumu and go on to the next church. Is that what you think? It's not what I thought. I gave them the whole story. And I challenged them that from that church, three little boys, three elderly ladies, and a pastor have a responsibility to reach the world. (laughs) Of course, you might ask, well, how in the world is that going to happen? Well, I'm glad you asked. Why don't you take your Bibles and turn over to Matthew chapter 10? Actually, Matthew 9. Matthew chapter 9, a very familiar passage, is at the end of that chapter, just prior to chapter 10. But in that passage, I think there's a plan. What is the plan for any church? And in particular, what is the plan for these three little boys, three elderly ladies, and a pastor say, what's the plan? Well, let me begin with you and just kind of look at a few of these verses. It says, and let's start at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, the laborers are few. Pray thee therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now I have you starting, I've had this little paragraph mark at 36, but I went back to 35 Because I'd like for you to see in that verse that Jesus is not asking you to do what he himself did not do. The greatest example we have of ministry and of witness is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see him involved in ministry. You see him doing the things. Somebody talked to a good sermon series. You know, the disciples were with him. They were taught by him. And then they went out and did what he did. I mean, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. You come together in fellowship to be with one another. You hear what it is you're called to do, and then you go out and do it. That's what's meant to happen. And as uh, Jesus here is there in that place, notice what it says in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, I can tell you, I know exactly what he's talking about. As I've had opportunities to be in a number of countries, and as I have 
been in these places and seen the multitudes. As I have observed and and watched and looked. The first thing in this plan is very simple. It's called see the people. I ask you, what do you see as you go about your daily life? What do you see when you go to the stores or when you go to your workplace or when you go to your school? What do you see? And do you see that in the same way that Jesus is spoken about seeing that? In the hustle and bustle of life, are people just in your way? Or do you really see the people with the compassion of Jesus Christ? These people are like sheep without a shepherd. These people have no idea what lies in front of them if they never find Jesus. These people are going to die and go to hell according to the scriptures. Do you truly see the people as you're going into the, your workplace, as you're going in, as you turn on your television and you see the events going on, that bridge falling in Pittsburgh? Thank the Lord, only 10 people were injured. Nobody died. But you watch the news. And every time I hear of hundreds and thousands who die in various places in our world, my question is constantly, did they know Jesus? In some of the places where I've gone, I see people, elderly people, sitting by the roadside. And as we travel past them, I wonder, did anybody ever tell him about Jesus? Is there a... an iota of compassion in your heart for all these people who are around you and you view when you turn on the TV. What do you see? If you will choose to see people as Jesus sees people, And it'll only happen if if that's the way you see them. If you see people as Jesus sees people, then it will drive you to your knees. Oh, God. Oh, God. How would the gospel get to the nations? What can we do about what's happening in our country? What about my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers? Oh God, please send someone to the nations. Oh God, please send someone. See the people. Let it drive you to your knees. And to these three little boys, three elderly ladies, pastors standing behind, let it.
the next thing is very simple. Now stand up and you be the first answer to your prayers. Just go tell your story. You be the first answer to your prayers. There's a fourth step because we don't want you to stop praying. We want you to keep on praying. We want you to There's three little boys. There's one for Serengeti. There's one for Tanzania. There's one for the world. Ladies, raise up these boys for Jesus Christ. These could be the answers to your prayers. Pastor, mentor, work with these boys. Maybe these boys will be the answer to your prayer from your little place where it's not, you don't even have a decent building. Maybe these three boys can be the answer to your prayers. How about here? Anybody in the works? You have a mission field right here. It's called your Jerusalem. Well, then it becomes the opportunity for someone to go out, for someone to go beyond, and for someone to go even beyond. When I've been in churches, wasn't this one specifically, came after that, I started finishing with these three challenges. Just simply saying, be an evangelistic church. Come on, people. Just go tell your story. Look for that opportunity. You will find it. If you'll simply look, it will be there. Be an evangelistic church. And then be a sending church, recognizing that there is an opportunity within your congregation. Who is the next person that you're hoping to go out perhaps to some part of heart of New Jersey? Who have you in mind? Who are you preparing? Who are you thinking that could go to some other place in the United States where church planning is still as necessary as ever? Who is the next person sitting here now or you've got to go out and get them who could be that person who could cross that border and train and assist nationals to do far more than you'd ever do by yourself? Who do you have in mind? And then finally, be a supporting church. I know you're already doing that, but in some parts of our world, we have to figure out some different ways to get that done. And it may require a different approach to support. But it must be done. Who do you have in mind to go out and do it? 
Every missionary goes to someone else's Jerusalem. I've had the privilege of coming here. <laughs> Spend a little time with you. Let's see if you get the test. Well, there was, actually, it wasn't a test. I forgot about that. There's no animation allowed. It all begins where? <laughs> right here. Or the community that you drove in from. That's where it begins. And I want to encourage you, beginning here, to also have in mind that this church is a light to the nations. We trust you've been encouraged by today's lesson. For resources to help you move forward in Christ, we invite you to check out our website, aboutfbc.org, or our Facebook page, Fellowship Bible, Mullica Hill. Hill.